Acts chapter 9. We'll read from verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Before we come to the message, perhaps we could stand together for prayer. Let us stand and seek the Lord's face. Our gracious God and our Father, we are before thee today. We long to hear from heaven. We pray for a word from thyself for each heart. And Lord, I am trusting thee for power because... Thine can never fail. Words which thou thyself shall give me must prevail. Lord, give to us prevailing words this morning. Give the help of the Spirit. Minister to every heart and let thy name be glorified in it all. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I want to draw to your attention a verse in Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. It is verse 14. Where the Bible says, And when he, that is Paul, would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. The will of the Lord be done. It's really interesting to look at the background to this great statement in Acts chapter 21. If you go back a couple of pages to chapter 18, in verse 20 and verse 21, the scripture says that when they desired him, that's Paul, to tarry longer time with them, he consented not but bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you if God will. You may also consult the words of chapter 19 and verse 21. After these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit that when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see 
Rome. And then chapter 20 and verse 22. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. It was the will of God for Paul to go to the city of Jerusalem. At Caesarea, it was prophesied that he would be captured there and that he would be handed over to the Romans. And we read of this in chapter 21 from verse 10. Here's the prophecy. He took Paul's girdle, verse 11, he bound his own hands and feet and he said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. They were saying, Paul, don't be going. Because if you go there, this is a terrible thing that's going to happen to you. And Paul answered, verse 13, What mean you to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Such was the love of the people of God in Caesarea for the Lord's servant that they attempted to persuade him not to travel to Jerusalem. But while Paul really appreciated their love and their concern, he made it clear that he must go there. And saying that he was determined to do what he felt strongly was God's will for his life, they ceased trying to keep him from going to Jerusalem and they simply said, the will of the Lord be done. The will of the Lord be done. Now that is something that we as God's people must learn to say in all the circumstances of life. The will of the Lord be done. It is of course particularly relevant to our praying. By grace we must always say the will of the Lord be done. Now the subject of the will of God is a very large topic with a number of important facets to it. Christian people, including young people, often wonder what this means, the will of God. What is its application to their own daily lives? What is the will of God? How can I know that I'm in the will of God? Can I be sure of doing the will of God? Is there a sense in which I may miss out on the will of God for my life? These are all important questions. I want to address the topic very simply from the scriptures this morning. The will of the Lord. In this great statement of Acts 21 verse 14. The will of the Lord be done. We can see first of all a great subject. And it is a great subject. The will of the Lord. What a topic it is for discussion and for our consideration. The will of God. And there are a number of angles as I have already mentioned. From which to approach this great subject. It has several facets. For instance, we could speak of God's declared will. His declared will. And I think that's what Paul has in mind in Ephesians 5 verse 17 when he says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. He's 
seeking to have God's people to recognize and to understand what the Bible teaches. What is the will of God? Again, writing to the Thessalonians, he referred to this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. He says, For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. This is God's will. The commandments of God clearly are God's will for us. This is what God would have us to do. Just exactly as his word teaches, as his word demands. Again, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 6. The Bible says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. There are matters in which it is clear to you and to me what God's will is because the Bible tells us what it is. We know the will of God is that we pray. You know, I don't have to pray and ask the Lord, should I pray? I shouldn't need to ask the Lord, Lord, should I read your word today? Of course, it's the will of God that we search the scriptures. It's a command. Of Christ, It's a command of Old and New Testament. Seek you out of the book of the Lord. Search the scriptures. We know it's God's will that we assemble ourselves together. We know it's the will of God that we remember his death till he come. Because Jesus said this do in remembrance of me. We know that it's his will that we live holy lives etc etc. And you can look for yourself at some of the clear statements in the Bible Concerning those things, if God tells us to do certain things, then we know that those things are God's will for us. His declared will. The will of God as clearly defined by the word of God. But as well as his declared will, I think we could speak about his decreed will. His decreed will. God has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass, including the awful tragedies that occur in this world. They are not outside God's providential control and order. In fact, when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost concerning the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, he put the blame for the death of Christ where it was due He said, you have taken him and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. But notice what he said before that. Acts chapter 2 verse 23. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. In other words, the cross was decreed by God. Ephesians 1.11 reminds us that God worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. You know the Lord has a great master plan. And we are not privy to it. Sometimes we would like to be. We would like to understand why things are the way that they are. Maybe as the hymn puts it. 
someday, sometime we'll understand. Right now we're a bit like folks who are looking at a tapestry from the underside. And as we look at the underside of it, it's all just a mass of threads and knots and it's meaningless. And meanwhile, God is looking down on that perfect picture that he is putting together. Because he has decreed certain things. There are a lot of things in this life that are totally mysterious to us. And they're supposed to be. The Bible says it. Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29. It's actually very easily remembered the reference. Deuteronomy 29 29. What does it say? The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever. That we may do all the words of this law. So there are things that are revealed and we know enough to be going on with that we might do the words of this law. But he tells us the secret things belong to the Lord our God. We just don't understand those matters that belong to his secret counsel. Wherein it is impossible for any believer to know what the mind of God is in relation to those things. In other words, we do not know his will in those matters. You know, just before the Lord Jesus left the earth, the disciples on that mount were asking him questions about his kingdom. Uh, They said, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. The hymn tells us, I am not skilled to understand what God hath willed, what God hath planned. I only know at God's right hand stands one who is my Savior. Of many things, you and I are left wondering just what it is that the Lord has purposed. And yet we know he has a purpose. He has a purpose. I always love to read the full text of Romans 8 verse 28 because many people don't quote the full text usually when people quote Romans 8 28 they say all things work together for good and you say well what's wrong with that well you forgot the the first part and we know and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose we know that we only know it by faith However, the decrees of God are inscrutable. So there's God's declared will. That's a great subject. There's his decreed will. That's a great subject. And then we may speak of his discerned will. His discerned will. In other words, the will of God that we can know in regard to certain specific things. Now, can we know what the will of the Lord is for us personally? Is there a will that God has for you as a Christian, personally and individually? And I would say unequivocally yes to that. And yes, I believe we can discern what it is that God would have us to do in certain given situations. Now notice these scriptures, a few of them in the Psalms to begin with. Right near the beginning of the book of Psalms, you have Psalm 5. And verse number 8. 
And it's a prayer, as many of the Psalms are. Verse 8, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. Is is that not a prayer for the Lord to make his will known? Or if you go a little further, chapter 25, Psalm 25, and verse 4. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Or Psalm 32, and verse number 8. The promise of the Lord in regard to this. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. One of our hymns is based on one of those psalms. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Teach me thy way. Thy gracious aid afford. Teach me thy way. Help me to walk aright. More by faith. Less by sight. Lead me with heavenly light. Teach me thy way. This is his discerned will. Once in a while I have occasion to send a card to a young person who's graduating or a circumstance like that. I always tend to put the same verses on those cards. I know a lot of people use the same words. I like them. They've been a blessing in my own life. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. Perhaps you know them off by heart. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy paths. This is what it means. To know the will of God for your life. And we have examples of men in scripture who who did this. Who prayed for divine guidance. I think for example of Eliezer. The servant of Abraham. He was sent by his master on an errand. To find a wife for Isaac his son. And he prayed about it. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 24. It's a beautiful story. And they asked the Lord to direct him. And he asked the Lord to lead him. He prayed for guidance. And he received that guidance. You see Eliezer wanted to know the will of God. In that specific situation. And he discovered it by prayer and by providential leading. And he acknowledged it. He said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. He later on bowed down, verse 48 of Genesis 24. Bowed down my head, he said, and worshipped the Lord, and, and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way. To take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. The discerned will of God. Now you have a situation in the New Testament church. Where the will of God needed to be made clear to the people. Acts chapter 1 is the portion I'm thinking about. A vacancy had arisen in the apostolic band. Of course, it was for a very sad reason 
Judas Iscariot had taken his own life and now there was a spot in the apostolic band to be filled. And what happened? They appointed two. Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. Here's two men. And they didn't know which one should be a replacement for Judas. And they prayed. And that was a good thing for them to do. They prayed, Acts 1 verse 24 says. And they said, Thou Lord which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen. And the Lord answered prayer providentially by having the lot to fall upon Matthias. We read from Acts chapter 9 in the Bible reading, very deliberately, you may have wondered, well, what's that got to do with the message today? If you look at verse 6, when Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul, got up off the ground, it says, he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Then you consider chapter 22 and verse 14. The Lord made his will known to him and he said through Ananias, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee that thou shouldest know his will. Notice that. That thou shouldest know his will and see that just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth for thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. I can know, I can know surely if I am in the will of God in regard to what he has called me to do at a particular juncture in my life. For instance, I know that God called me to preach his word many years ago. Others may have doubted that, but I've never doubted it. I'm as sure as I can be that God called me to preach. And on that basis, I sought to prepare myself for the ministry I had a decision to make regarding that. It wasn't a difficult one. Where to train for the ministry. I was in the free church. I was a member of Dr. Paisley's congregation. It wasn't hard for me to decide. I think I should go to the theological hall of the free church. But that was not the end of finding and doing God's will for me. Because I had to seek and find God's will regarding where to preach the word. But that didn't involve only one decision either. Because so far the Lord has led me to minister in three churches. And each time I've sought and I trust found the will of God in the matter. And many believers can testify to the leading of the Lord in their lives by his word and by clear providences. There are some Christians that have been led to the mission fields of the world. There are others that have been led into specific areas of work into certain fields of employment where the Lord uses them there is such a thing as discerning the Lord's will for your everyday life and it's not just for preachers and it's not just for missionaries but every believer should be praying this prayer of Acts 9 and verse 6 Lord what wilt thou have me to do and it's not just a one time request And we can trust God each and every day by seeking to have his help in doing his will. This is a great subject. But thinking about the will of the Lord 
and how the will of the Lord is to be done, there is here a great submission. Notice the words of the text. This is a statement of people who were submitted to what God wanted for them, even though it ran counter to their own feelings. They didn't want Paul to go up to Jerusalem. They didn't want Paul to lose his life. They didn't want Paul to be in any danger. They wanted him to stay there, but they knew that this was God's will as he had expressed it. And so they said, the will of the Lord be done. And sometimes we have to say the will of the Lord be done through pursed lips or gritted teeth. Because it's difficult, the will of the Lord. It's not always easy. In fact, it's often very difficult to do the will of God. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, in verse 18, there was a young man called Samuel. And he had a very difficult task in telling Eli... That God was going to judge his house. And he did tell him everything. 1 Samuel 3.18 Samuel told him every whit. Didn't leave anything out. And hid nothing from him. And he said, this is Eli, the Lord's priest. It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. Here in Acts chapter 22, they were really saying, we want what God wants for you and for us. Yes, it cuts across our personal preferences. We would rather that you did not leave, Paul, but the will of the Lord be done. And there is an application here to the leading of the Lord, to God's will, if you like, in daily providence. See, the Lord does work providentially in our lives. Things happen, and they happen for a reason. I read, for example, in 1 Samuel 22, and in verse 3, where David went to Mizpah of Moab, and he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you, till I know what God will do for me. I don't know yet what the Lord's going to do. So I want to wait and find out. And when you read the words of David, he understood the providence of God in Psalm 37 verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. God makes no mistakes. Oh, we make mistakes. But God makes no mistake. The Lord is at work in our lives from day to day. And we must be submissive to what he wants And ultimately to what he does. And as I said, that's not always easy. Over there in Acts, again, this time in chapter 18. In verse 21, a verse that I referred to earlier. You'll see that Paul is very much aware that things can change according to what God's will is. He bade them farewell. He said, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you if God will. If the Lord allows it. 
It's my purpose to come back and see you, but it may not be that the Lord will allow that to happen. I have to be submissive to what God wants. Again, we see this theme recurring, even in the life of Paul, in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 19. He tells them, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will. There it is again, if the Lord will. Again, chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians and verse 7. For I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. There is it again. If the Lord allows it. And that's how we should be living. There is a little habit that people have in churches in Ulster, which I like. When they're announcing meetings and the times of meetings and the date of meetings and the place of meetings, they put in brackets DV. And some people went, what's that, DV? It's from the Latin, Deo Valente. It means if the Lord will. That's what it means, if God wills it. And we should always make our plans, we should make our announcements, DV, Deo Valente, if God will. And that's scriptural. James chapter 4, verse 14, Whereas you know not what shall be in the morrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. If the Lord will. Can you say with the hymn writer, Oh, I delight in his command. Love to be led by his dear hand. His divine will is sweet to me. Hallowed by blood-stained Calvary. You and I as believers are to be in submission to the way in which God leads us. And he does so very often in providential ways. See, everything that you do by way of God's will may not necessarily have a specific book, chapter, and verse for it. But I'm a great believer in being guided by the word of God. But there are times in your life when you have to forge ahead, when you have to move ahead, simply trusting God. Praying that the Lord will lead you. That's what Eliezer did. If you go back to Genesis 24. He, he prayed and he said Lord. Lead me to the right place. Lead me to the right woman for Isaac. And he had put a fleece out as it were before the Lord. Concerning that woman. And when Rebecca came out. He knew that she was the one. The Lord made his will clear. And that's what God does. You've prayed about something. You are praying about something. You're looking to the Lord to lead the way about something. And you have to trust the Lord that he will show you his will in daily providence. But there's also here an application to dedicated prayer. How are we to pray? The Lord Jesus taught us in that which we often call the Lord's Prayer, which is more rightly described as the Disciples' Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven and so on. 
In connection with that, in Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 10, don't we read these words? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done in earth. When we pray, it's not so as the Lord will do our will in heaven. It is so that he will do his will on earth. Dedicated prayer. Praying in submission to God's will. It's what God wants, not what I want. You know, it's hard for us to bend sometimes and to submit to what God wants. And notice again carefully the prayer of Saul of Tarsus before he became Paul. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? He wasn't dictating to the Lord. He wasn't setting out conditions to the Lord. He wasn't trying to get God to place a stamp of approval on what he had already decided to do. He was submitted to God entirely. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And you know, that's the great secret of knowing and then doing the will of God. I remember very well at a youth camp at which I was a counsellor. I had a group of boys that I was in charge of even though I was only, I think, 19 myself. I did devotions with them in the mornings and accompanied them to the meetings and so on. But there were also teenagers at that camp and I was able to go to the teenagers' meetings. I was still a teenager myself. And the preacher there preached a message that day that really, really gripped my heart. And I felt like I was the only person in that meeting. The Lord broke me that day. The 3rd of August, 1978. Now you know how old I am. On that day, I knelt before the Lord and I said, Lord, I want to do your will. I remember seeking out the director of that camp and I had a question on my heart and I said, here's the thing that's really troubling me. How can I know the will of God? I don't know what God wants me to do. I really don't. I had different thoughts in my mind, but I, I, I want to know the Lord's will for my life. I remember him saying to me, looking right at me, he said, Stephen, the secret to knowing the will of God is being willing to do it before you know what it is. Because you see, we want to make bargains. We want to say, well, Lord, I'll do this, but I'm not doing that. Or Lord, I'll go here, but no, I'm not going there. He said, you have to be willing to do the will of God before you know what it is. And that day, as God is my witness, I put it all on the altar and I said, Lord, whatever you want me to do. And it all unfolded from there. This is the secret of knowing and then doing the will of God, being willing for God's will by dedicated prayer, even before you know what it is. And isn't the Lord Jesus our great example in Gethsemane? Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Not my will. In the book of Hebrews, we read of the Savior quoting from Psalm 40 
and how that his delight was to do the will of God. He said, yea, thy law is within my heart. He was submitted to it entirely. Are you today? It's a great subject, the will of God. There's a great submission needed in doing the will of God. And then, thirdly, there's a great solace here. The will of the Lord be done. You know, the great comfort is this, that even though God's will may cut across ours, it is the best for us. As for God, the psalmist said, his way is perfect. It's not just that his way is best. It's not just that his way is good. It is his way is perfect. And you can read that in 2 Samuel 22, verse 31. And in the context of the text there that we quoted in Acts chapter 22, obviously it was not what the people of God wanted at all there. They wanted Paul to stay. They didn't want Paul to leave. They didn't want Paul to suffer. But then they gave in to what God was doing in Paul's life. They'd been pleading with him. Don't do it, Paul. Don't go up there. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased. We stopped saying, the will of the Lord be done. They gave in to what God was doing in Paul's life. Let us rest in God's wisdom and goodness. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly, the Bible says. And again, in Saul's case, in Acts 9, he prayed that God would show him what to do. Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord answered him. And God showed Saul what he wanted him to do in the future. God had a great plan for his life. But one thing that you should notice from that passage, and we haven't time to develop it today, but the will of God for Saul of Tarsus later to become Paul was not all revealed to him at once. The Lord didn't get a big scroll with the map of his life on it and say, now here, you're going to be here, and then this time you're going to be here, and then you'll be here. No. He actually said to Paul, or Saul as he was then, Acts 9 verse 6, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. You see that? Do what I'm telling you now. Go into the city and when you get there it will be told you what you're going to do. One step at a time. And the Lord may not want to give you and will not give you a whole plan of your life today that lies ahead of you. And I have to say it's just as well he doesn't. Can you imagine the grief stricken state that believers would be in? If they knew all that was coming up in their lives in the future. Such and such a date, this will happen. Such and such a date, that tragedy will take place. You couldn't live. And that's why God graciously hides the future from our view. He leads us one step at a time. Arise and go, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. See, God's will is an ongoing matter. In the Christian's life. We're led by the Lord each and every day of our lives. Now there is no doubt 
that God had a life's work planned out for Saul as the great apostle to the Gentiles. There's no doubt about that. And you can study it for yourself in, in Acts 9 and Acts 22 and Acts 26. And yet he was led in the will of God each day. And so it is for the people of God. I'm convinced of this. If you're a Christian this morning, the Lord has something for you to do. The Lord has a work for you to do. And he will show you what it is as you continue to seek him day by day. But something important should be noted here. There are times when we fail the Lord and in that sense we get out of the will of God. I think that's illustrated very well by Jonah. There's a sense in which what happened to Jonah was all within the sovereign decreed will of God. But as far as what God commanded him to do, he didn't do God's will. He did the opposite. See, God's declared will, Jonah chapter 1, was for him to go to Nineveh and preach. But he went his own way for a time until God caught up with him. And then we notice God's mercy to the prophet. Because in Jonah chapter 3, at the beginning of it, it tells us, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah again the second time. I love the fact that God is a God of second chances. And we see that, don't we, in the New Testament example of John Mark? Here's John Mark in the work, Acts chapter 12, verse 25, records what happened. Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Here he is in service, but then not very long after that, chapter 13, verse 13, it records when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. He left. Then we come to chapter 15 and verse 37. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark, but Paul thought not good to take him with them who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And we find that there was a great contention between Paul and Barnabas, who was a relative of John Mark, over this matter. John Mark left the work to the disappointment of Paul and others. You might say quite rightly, he got away from what God had called him to do. He was out of the will of God for a time. That's not where the Bible finishes with John Mark. Because if you take your Bible and go over to 2 Timothy, you have this beautiful mention made in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11 of the very same John Mark. Here's Paul toward the end of his life. And he says, only Luke is with me. Take Mark. And bring him with thee. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. You never thought in reading Acts 15 that you'd ever see Paul saying that. He's not going with us, Barnabas. He left the work. He's finished. He's all washed up. And here he is. Take John Mark. Bring him with thee. For he's profitable to me 
for the ministry. You know, you can get away from the Lord for a time. It doesn't mean that you're now all washed up as far as doing God's will is concerned. There are many folks who beat themselves up about missing God's will for their lives. They do. They beat themselves up. But what they need to be concerned with is not the past which can be put under the blood. What does God want me to do now at this time? That's the question for all of us. I'm so glad the Lord restores his people. Wonderful promise in Joel chapter 2. Where the Lord says he will restore unto you the years that the locust hath eaten. Some years ago I had a call from a man who heard a message of mine on sermon audio. It was on that text. I will restore unto you the years that the locust hath eaten. This man was calling me from the far north climes of Canada. He said there was still snow in the bushes in July. He'd only just recently gotten internet. And he said, Pastor, do you ever get discouraged? I remember it was a Wednesday and I was discouraged that day, that morning. I said, how did you know? He said, well, I just want to encourage you. He said, I found, when I got the internet, I found this site, sermonaudio.com. I was looking through different sermons and I just happened upon this message. It really resonated with me. How God... How God restores wasted years. He said, brother, you have no idea the wasted years in my life. The wasted time. I wish I could get it all back. But he said, I listened to that message and how encouraged I was when I heard you say, the Lord says he will restore to you the years that the locusts hath eaten. What does it mean? It doesn't mean that all those Lost harvests are brought back. What it means is he gives you such a bountiful harvest this year as to make up for all the lost harvests. He said, you have no idea what a blessing that was to my soul. God can use me now. God can do great things for me now, whatever happened in the past. And that's true this morning. The will of the Lord be done. It can be done in your life and mine, even now, if we're willing to do his will. The will of the Lord be done. May this be our attitude and our prayer today and every day. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank thee for thy word today. Thank thee for ministering to us afresh. Lord, we confess our many failures and our many sins. We confess the wasted time. We confess, Lord, the sin of rebelling against thee and thy will and thy providences in our lives. Oh Lord, give us grace to be able to say all the time from our hearts, the will of the Lord be done. 
May we do thy will as it is declared to us. May we understand that there's a will of God that is secret, but that which is revealed we must perform. And O Lord, give us submission. Give us that joy in knowing that there is a reward for us in doing the will of God. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Teach me thy way. And Lord, should there be one who has no real interest in the will of God because they're not saved. They've never been to Calvary. They've never confessed their sins and repented and believed the gospel. Oh, that today, Lord, they might come and seek thee, that they might realize that if we do seek thee in repentance and faith, that we will find thee and thou wilt give rest to their souls. Hear our prayer today. Bless us as we come to thy table. Lord, may we know a sweet time of fellowship with thee. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.